when you find your purpose, when you're like, okay, this is what I am meant to share. This is like what I can bring to the world and be of service. Because if you really analyze like why we're here in this world, we're here to serve others with our active ingredients, you know, with our purpose, with our strengths. Hey guys, welcome to Active Ingredient, the podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'll be taking a deep dive into why people do what they do and what it is that drives them. I believe every single person has an active ingredient to them, aka a purpose, and all we have to do is uncover what that is and activate it. I'm looking at people across the board with fancy titles like editors and chiefs, founders and CEOs, to under-the-radar activists who are changing the world one person at a time. I want to get to the bottom of how they first discovered their passion how they channel their talent consistently, and ultimately, how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. This week's episode is one I am incredibly proud of, and I'm just so excited to share. It's honestly probably one of my favorite interviews to date uh, because it's with my cousin, Patty Wheel, who is an absolutely incredible therapist and overall amazing human being who I am so lucky to call family, and it's just she's one of my biggest inspirations, so I'm so excited to have her on. I've been waiting to do this podcast with her for some time, and I could not think of a better time than now to share her and her expertise with you now that we're all kind of in this limbo and have a lot of time to really be still and be with ourselves. Patty is a clinical psychologist that specializes in relationships with the self, romantic relationships, and conscious parenting. Her practice offers one-on-one therapy sessions as well as group coaching on topics like personal transformation, relationships with your children and partners, communication skills, and emotional intelligence. Patty is a true ray of light and someone who I am so lucky to have firsthand witnessed her journey to her active ingredient, which has been so inspiring to see. Her current active ingredient is to help people elevate their consciousness so that they can raise their children to have a more connected sense to the self and to just live more authentically. And I honestly feel like one of my gifts is to recognize talent. And I just know with every ounce of my being that Patty has so much to share with the world. And I believe that the world needs her now more than ever. Um, So I'm just so excited for you guys to listen to this episode and this conversation. On today's episode, we talk about viewing our emotions as information, on how to be an observer of our thoughts, on the concept of parenting ourselves and taking responsibility for ourselves, on how living our active ingredient is our birthright, and steps we can take to get to know ourselves better. So with that, let's get into today's episode with my amazing cousin, Patty Wheel. So I'm honestly like so happy to have you on the podcast. Like I feel like everyone that I've had so far has been an industry person or someone that like I am friendly with. I have had zero family members. Obviously, this is a huge deal for me. And I I've always wanted to talk to you about this stuff. But I feel like after our trip to the DR in that car ride, I saw so much magic in you that I was like, I need to share this with other people. You just and me and McGuire both have felt like kind of like a search for our active ingredient or a search for our purpose. And like, we both left that conversation so enlightened. So I'm just so happy to have you on active ingredient. I get goosebumps because, you know, like sometimes I talk about it with um, other colleagues uh, or 
people that I, I work with and I'm like, you know, this is such a passion for me, like talking about this. And that sometimes I feel like I talk about it so much that like, I'm like, oh, what, 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 what am I bringing to others? You know, like, what am I actually, how am I inspiring others if this is something that has become so natural to me? So hearing that is just like, it's got No, you have no idea. No, like I, I, I really, really mean it. And it's, I really try to have everyone on the podcast be someone that I, I know to a certain extent and I can see that they're working in their active ingredient, you know, but to like 100%. know you so closely and like to really, really see it through and through, even when you're off, even when you're not working, when you're with your babe, you just, you really are living, breathing that purpose. And it's not like you're on as a therapist and then off, you know, like you, yeah. you're constantly in this, in this flow and it's just really cool to see. And I feel like that's literally what anyone listening is, is searching for, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely, um, I truly believe that when you find your purpose and kind of make a business out of it, because I think it's really cool because that you uh, talk to so many people that are like, you know, businesswomen and people that are having like their projects and that I, I love the word act, like the active ingredient because I, I, for me, I see it as your purpose. So when you find your purpose, when you're like, okay, this is what I am meant to share. This is like what I can bring to the world and be of service. Because if you really analyze like why we're here in this world, we're here to serve others with our active ingredient, you know, with our purpose, with our strengths. Sometimes I see people especially because I work a lot with, like, I've seen a lot of parents and, like, they're trying to to make their kids into something instead of just, like, valuing their authenticity. And if we actually push for their authenticity, they are probably going to excel in a lot, in, like, a greater term than if I don't while serving others. You know, maybe it's through your artistic self or maybe it's through your accounting. I don't know, whatever it is, you know, that, that you feel that your strengths are. People like tend to be like, okay, what are my weaknesses? Let me work even harder on those so they're not weak. Instead of just like looking at my strengths and working even harder on my strengths, challenging myself even more to be the best at that. Um, so I think that that looking for your active ingredient or your purpose is the best way to serve others. And it's, it's, you know, it's the reason you're here, you know, it's the reason you're here on the Do earth. you really think that like, it's all of our birthrights to find it? Because I, I, you and I had kind of a sidebar conversation after my event <clears throat> and I just, I, I, I hope, I mean, I, I, I feel like if that were the case, there would literally be no wars. Like, I feel like if, oh, if that were the case, then that would actually solve all of the world's problems. But I mean, what, what are your thoughts? Like, do you think that it's our birthright to find that active ingredient? Yeah, that's that's a tough question to answer because I do have like different like thoughts on that. I do believe it's our birthright because it's it's everyone's right, you know, to to find their purpose and to see, you know, why they're here on this earth and to be as connected as they can be to their authentic self. Um but to be honest, I do not believe everyone has the opportunity to do so. Um I am actually kind of I want to say the word excited because, you know, it's a little off, I guess, but like this, this whole pandemic um, and this being home and not really social distancing, more like physical distancing, because, you know, I've actually socialized a lot more with people because everyone's at home and they're online. But um, I do believe this has been like a really big opportunity for a lot of people that have not gotten in touch with themselves, that haven't had the chance to be with themselves, by themselves, because that's the only way to really dig in and, and find your purpose. Because, you know, we don't all have the the luck 
to have parents that have respected our authenticity, right? So then we kind of have to go through a process to find ourselves again and to kind of look for that. Like it's an, it's, it's an active thing. It's absolutely not passive, right? It's something you really have to look for. Um, can you give us so some like, tangible, some tangible things that people can do to actively look for it? Because I feel like if you're listening to this, you've already taken a step into trying to figure out something, right? Like this, this yeah. audience is, especially for someone who is like looking for that, like what are some tangible steps, maybe like three things that, that people can do to start practicing? Yeah, that's a really, that's a cool question. Um, I think the first thing that I would do is start looking at myself as sort of a scientist. Okay. Like, like have the point of view of like, okay, I'm going to be a scientist right now and I'm going to start doing some research. I'm going to start, you know, practicing some new things in my life and not looking, not so much looking at the result, whether I find my active ingredient or not, just like focus on the search, on the experimenting. So I think that's before like saying three specific things. I do, um, I do think that if you see yourself in that, in that light, you're going to have much greater results because something that I do see is that people, um, we get very judgmental about ourselves if we don't find our active ingredient. And I think that if we get very like stuck on our result, we, we tend to, you know, actually go the, on um, go the other way. So when you're starting to look for this, see yourself as someone that's just experimenting, that's on the search for something. And let's not, and I don't want you guys to get like very involved or very attached to more than involved to a result. So I think the first thing that I would do is see myself also as a student and start doing research, literally like get a book, go get a book on personal development, um, start watching. I mean, we're already consuming content constantly, right? Be very careful with that. Be very careful about who you're following on um, Instagram, Facebook, or wherever you you navigate on social media um, or YouTube even, you know, like there are so like, sometimes I see that social media is very, is like very um, judged. And yeah, there are some, a lot of things in social media that, you know, they're not great. But at the same time, social media can also be such a great place for you to learn. Podcasts like these, you know, like just the fact that you're listening to this is already you like, you know, submerging yourself into um, getting to know who I am. So that's my first, first, first step is start looking, start reading, start consuming content that will only bring you growth, whether it's personal growth, whether it's growth, um, on your field or something that you love. For example, I don't know if you're a designer, maybe start reading a lot more on design. Um, then you can start like something that I did is that I started seeing like, okay, who do I admire? Who do I truly genuinely admire? And sometimes it could be people in your own life in your, in, well, I'm in your own life and like, the people that you know, maybe family members or friends or friends, parents or whatever. Um, and if you don't have anyone, start looking for other people, maybe other people that have made it in, in where you want to make it and start um, getting to see, okay, what are they doing? How are, how, how, how are they uh, managing their life? You know, so you can start, you know, through that. And then you normally when you are, and this happened to me. And when I, I think also, came, wait, sorry, one, one thing I want to talk about with looking at other people, it's like, instead of just looking at them and, and accomplishments, like. I mean, it's something I struggle with because it's one of my biggest crutches is comparison. Like I constantly have to work on that because it's just something that is a problem that I deal with, but it's more so like identifying the underlying thing about that 
person or like the underlying reason why I'm attracted or pulled in to learn more about them more so than like the outside thing that I'm seeing, you know? I love that, that you're saying that because, you know, that's actually, it's actually really interesting. Normally, when we see people that we admire, um, we can feel also some sort of jealousy. Like, oh, I wish, you know, I was like them. Oh my God, why am I not like them? Why, you know, what do they have that I don't have? But what I want you to see is actually when you admire someone greatly and you're like, wow, I wish I was like that. That's normally because that person's triggered or sparked something in you that actually has to do with you. So the fact that you are interested in, in, and have and are intrigued to being in a certain way is because you probably have that in you and it's something that you just need to develop. That's so that's really cool, right? So if you see people like this and and when you feel like maybe like jealousy or envy, I could say, or, or, or sadness, whatever it is that you, you feel that you're just like really genuinely, you know, you feel it and you're just like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. Um, just remember that that feeling will go away. Okay, it's just like a wave that, that passes by. And if we see it again as a scientist, um, we can kind of like start digging a little deeper and getting to know ourselves a lot more. And that's a, that's another that's actually another step that I would I would put into into the 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 list because when you start to understand your emotions as information, as like my unconscious trying to tell me something about myself, then I get to start knowing myself a lot more. I get to be more in touch with who I am. And, and for example, like just because we're, we're talking about the subject, when we see someone that we want to be like them, that we, we wish we were like that, it's something, it's that you have something that they also have that you just need to explode. So let's just change that envy or that jealousy or whatever and try to see it as admiration and as an example, you know, for me to follow. And if I if I see a lot of people, you know, I, I like to do the exercise where I'm like, okay, who do I admire? So I kind of like I've written it down. I'm like, okay, what traits does this person have that maybe I would like to have, or maybe that I already have in me and I just want to explode. And when I start seeing that and I actually visualize it like on a sheet of paper, it's crazy how you can really identify yourself with these people. And, but you have one from here, another one from here, another one from here. And that's what makes you so unique. You know, that you are just another person that can also be added to that list. And trust me, I'm sure that you are someone that a lot of people admire. Just me, like I'm, I'm me, I'm your cousin and I genuinely admire you. You know? I mean, it's mutual. And, it's and, for damn sure. <laughs> You're on my so, list for sure. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, and I, I see you and I'm like, oh, she's so great. And she's this and this, you know, and it's because we connect in some way. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so I invite you to really make that list of people you admire. And it can be, again, someone in our family or it, it's it's really cool to see um, people that maybe have gone really, really far. You know, they're famous or whatever. If you actually study about them or if you read them, um, you know, they've also, they started at the bottom too. You know what I mean? They, they we can't compare ourselves to the results of someone else. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the, I, I do think it's really important to take the time out to get to know yourself, get to know yourself. Do you think that there's a line between doing the research and actually doing the work? Because I feel like because 
during this time. Like there's, there are so many podcasts, there are so many books, there are so many resources, there are so many YouTube videos and it's, it's overwhelming. And I can see how people can go down a path of like reading a self-help book, doing all this personal development, and then not really getting anywhere. Not that, not like, as you said earlier, like it shouldn't be like one Holy grail moment of getting there because we're all in constant becoming, you know, but it's like, at what point, like, how do you personally draw a line for yourself? And you're like, okay, like I, I, I don't need to consume more. I just need to be, you know, a hundred percent. That's, that's a, I love that you bring that up because yeah, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of frustration, right? Like, why am I not changing? I'm reading, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this. And it's, yeah, you definitely got to do the work. And I like that you talk about the work, the word to be right because um we're all we're like so consumed into the doing 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 watch this do this you know write this and just being and i think the third point that we talked about as being observers of ourselves that's doing the work just looking at yourself and be like you know what i right now i'm feeling a little bit sad number one self-compassion and number two understanding it's a wave it, it will go away because um, normally like things that I see, right. Is that sometimes we were like, oh my God, I'm sad. I'm depressed. That's it. I'm under depression. <laughs> and, you know, understanding that is something that it will go away. And if I don't see it like this, it won't go away because your mind. Something I really, I really want to touch on this because I feel like our generation, especially we're obsessed with happiness. Like we are obsessed with feeling happy and like really always feeling like that. And if we're not feeling happy all the time, then something is terribly wrong with us. And we think we're, like you said, depressed or whatever. And it's like, we're not okay with sitting, sitting with the uncomfortable emotions. How do you tackle that with your, with your patients? Like, how do you explain to them that like, no, this is a human emotion and like, they're just as valuable as feeling the highs. Yes. That's, that's awesome. And that's, that's very, um, that has to do, do a lot with the state of being right and something that we didn't learn unfortunately that we didn't learn in school and no one taught us is about our emotions which is so great right because they're with us like 24 7 um (laughs) and i always remind them listen emotions equal information and if you can just have that somewhere where you could just watch it and see it and remind yourself that all it is is information and understanding that emotions Literally, they go away. It's like if you're standing in front of a train station, right? And you just see how each wagon just passes by. And I'm an observer. I'm a watcher. I am a scientist of my emotions. I'm just watching as they pass by, as they go away. Then I will be a lot more at peace. And this obsession with feeling happy, which is definitely an an emotion that we feel. You know, I've felt extreme happiness a lot of times. And I've also felt a lot of sadness. Um, But when... Instead of instead of that obsessive search for happiness, the search of well-being, and this is something that I talk about a lot and I and I really emphasize with people, is what I want to search is well-being. Because if I am searching for happiness and when I feel sad, I'm just like, oh my God, this is it. I'm effed, you know? <laughs> and no, I'm just the fact that I feel okay with feeling sad, that I feel okay with feeling angry, and that I actually be like, I'm like, oh my God. I felt so angry. I felt triggered by this. And now I know it's because of this. And it's like, oh, wow. It's actually really, you know, that's called an insight. When you make an insight about yourself where you're like, oh, this is why I got mad. 
you know, and the, the truer you are, the more honest you are with yourself and your feelings, the freer you will be. You know, I, I always explain to people that it's like having a backpack. It's like your emotional backpack that it's like, you know, has, you know, you have all these little rocks that you throw inside and you have some of these really big rocks that are just really heavy and they're emotionally draining. And then you have these really tiny ones that we don't really see, but they're still there. Um, and part of these insights and part of watching myself and being an observer of my emotions is being able to get each rock and just kind of throw it out. And that's why people, when they they really do the therapy, because I always tell people, especially when I'm doing therapy with them, like, listen, real therapy is not what we're doing right now. It's what you do by yourself outside of this, this area or this talk. That's therapy. Um, and that's why I always say therapy is really, really hard because it's really easy to be with someone that you have here, you know, all the time, but who's really with you 24 seven, you yourself and yourself. That's it. It's like that saying of like teaching the horse how to get to the water versus always giving the horse the water. You know, it's like, you have to, you have to show them where the water is, but it's, it's on their end to be able to walk there every day and drink it, you know? Completely. And the more I take sort of like responsibility for my life, that's that's another concept that I I, I talk about often, um, which is a really an amazing way to like truly take care of yourself is that I can always play, I, I can play like two roles in life. Either I play a victim role where I feel like the world is happening to me. Like, why did this pandemic happen? Like, why did I get, I don't know, fired from my job? Or why, you know, I'm always like externalizing the reasons why I'm sad or angry or bothered or whatever it is. And it's 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 okay because we've kind of been like programmed to believe that it's the reasons things happen are like an external thing. You know, just the fact that, I don't know, maybe we were young and our parents were like, oh, why is there so much traffic? Or, you know, like we're always like blaming something on the outside world. And here, I don't want you to say to blame yourself. I just want you to use this as a learning experience to start taking responsibility for your life. Because if I'm constantly blaming like external things for the things that are happening to me, what I'm actually doing is that I'm turning in my power and saying, well, it's it's the traffic's fault or not or not even fault it's the traffic's responsibility to take care of me instead of it's my responsibility to take care of myself and this might be a like a difficult concept to grasp but once you get it you feel so empowered you're like wait what hold on i'm a hundred percent responsible for myself and it's a very empowering feeling and for example in couples, right? Sometimes we're, you know, we're like constantly blaming the other for doing this or for making me feel this way. Like, how are you doing this? And if if each one of us would actually take full responsibility for taking care of ourselves and parenting ourselves, right? Because we don't notice, but sometimes we're kind of asking the other to be our parent, you know, like, oh, I want you to congratulate me on this. I want you to make me feel this way too. And it's like, you're losing your power because now you depend on someone else for your well-being, right? So if I take that power and I'm like, wait, I'm 100% responsible for myself and you are 100% responsible for yourself, when we meet, it's going to be a lot more powerful, you know? So that's definitely like a mindset that that has to be a part of our lives if we are genuinely taking care, like wanting to take care of ourselves and and putting ourselves first, which is also a big, there's a, a lot of like limiting beliefs towards taking care of ourselves first. The thing is that if you really want to take care of others, especially as women, a hundred percent, because we are, 
expected to be selfless in every in every role of our life. Is I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not a wife or a parent yet, but, but you're a woman. I mean, yeah, but I feel it, you know. And it's and like, a lot of women feel that they're you know like oh if I'm not a mom then I'm not being like this. Women in general and like in as a, like sort of like a natural instinct have like this mother like characteristic or trait of taking care of another. And it could be at a job. It could be in your own household. Like you don't have to have kids or be married or whatever to feel that. Um, and you have to, you know, I think there there has to be a very big paradigm shift. And it's that the, the thing is that if I really genuinely take care of myself, then that means I really do love you. Because giving you the best version of me is the best thing that can happen to you. You know, so... Yeah, that's, that's what do you think? Thing. What do you think from your perspective is gonna like what needs to happen for that paradigm shift to start? You know, or I mean, I, I guess it kind of has started in a way, but like, what from your perspective, what do you think is needed for that to propel forward? Exactly what's happening in this podcast. Let's talk about it. You know, let's normalize it. Let's not um, judge others for putting themselves first because we see that sometimes if someone um, gives puts boundaries on us. Because they're going out to take care of themselves. We're the ones that feel like rejected or, you know, like, why, why are they saying no to me? You know, and it's like, if I start actually respecting others' boundaries, I can start kind of making my own boundaries that I need to make to take care of myself. Then, you know, that mutual respect, I think, is going to normalize this and, and allow this shift to occur. So I think talking about it, normalizing it, um, making our own family members or even friends that are making the choices to take care of themselves, we can even sort of, you know, positive reinforcement like, oh, you know what? I'm actually really glad that you said no because I'm sure this is going to help you, you know, like normalizing it, not reprimanding other people for, for, do, for making these choices because I do believe there is a paradigm change, shift. Um, not like as much as we probably want, but I do believe a lot of people are talking about it. And I think we need to keep talking about it, respect others. And if you have a family, like for example, me, that I have a a daughter. The um, most beautiful daughter in the whole entire world. Part of my my goal with her was is well, basically, you know, respecting her authentic self and 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 sort of passing this thought onto her, this, this belief, because then, you know, if not, we're going to have to go like spend half our lives going to therapy to take the belief away, to be able to, you know, uh, not limit ourselves. But like, you know, if you are uh, influencing on other people's lives, and like I said, you are kind of mothering people because of this podcast. People are listening to you. People are, you know, if we see ourselves that way, um, that is the perfect way to allow this shift to, to happen. When people, when you are someone that is admired and you say, listen, it's okay to take care of yourself. That brings a lot of people relief. Um, so I think that's, that's a great way to, to allow this change to occur within what is in your power. I want to talk about the 10 year old self. It's just something that I love talking about on the podcast. It's actually normally how I started, but we were driving and I just didn't want to, I didn't want to just do the structure for the sake of doing the structure. Um, but I always start the podcast asking 
what you remember of yourself kind of like in that 10 year old phase, because I, I have seen or noticed that a lot of people that are living their truth or living in their active ingredient or purpose, a lot of the times revert back to a 10 or like seven to 10 year old like state. Um, from a, from a therapist perspective, like why is that? And also like, what were you like at that age? Well, this is a great question. Of I personally went through this in my own therapy. Um, and, you know, something that I was shocking in my therapy was that it was actually really hard for me to remember who I was, what I did, what was I doing. I just like had a really, really hard time um, going back. So I'll tell you, one of the reasons that is, is, this is a really great exercise to do is that at this age, actually, I wouldn't, I would even try, like, if you could go to like, I haven't done it, honestly, but if you go, if you could try and go to like those people that sort of almost like hypnotize you and take you even further back, it's actually a really interesting experience because the first years of our lives are the years that we're like sort of programmed into being who we are today. And what we learned in those first years are exactly what we work on as adults. For example, when I get triggered by something, every time I get triggered by something, all that is is information for myself. It's something that I haven't accepted, that, that maybe is still painful from my past. And we go through a lot of things at, these, at this age that maybe for adults might, se- might seem silly or dumb or not important. But as a child, your emotions are extremely sensitive. So anything that happens to you at that time can really, really, really like mark something really important or even like a trauma. Um, So that's why I think it's really important to go back and see like, okay, what happened in these years? You know, what was painful? Did I feel rejected at some point by someone at school or my parents or my cousins or my, you know, how did I deal with rejection? Um, Because I I say rejection because like uh, one of the things that I also see is that um, people that want to look for their active ingredient or their purpose, they, some people find it. They're like, I know I love this but I just don't, I just don't know how to like get myself out there. And you know, that if you go back and you see like, okay, how did I deal with rejection? Um, what happened, you know, what, how did people reject me and how, how was I supported at home or, or not? Um, so I think that going back is really getting to know where your triggers come from, where your fear comes from, um, and when you see how that, do you actively, how do you actively like move through that though? Like when, okay. once you've gone back and you've seen that and you recognize how you dealt with it or what the result was, like, how do you then take that information and then apply it to now to move through it and hopefully have a good outcome? Okay. I'm actually even going to send you, cause maybe, I don't know if you, if you put notes on the podcast, this would be a great note to put. Um, okay. So normally when we have these experiences, we generate beliefs, certain beliefs, for example, um, Okay, I'm going to give you a a very specific example that I I gave the other day as far as being a mom. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, if you you work as a mom, then you're not being the best mom that you can be because you're not 100% with your kid, right? Um, So, for example, things that I lived. Um, I lived in a, in, a, in a household where all the mothers that I know literally dropped their lives to take care of their kids, to, to, to raise their children. So in my mindset, I noticed that, oh, my idea of what a good mother is, is a mother that drops everything for their kids, that sacrifices everything for their kids. So for me, making the decision to, to work was actually in that moment, I remember I was having a hard time because I was like feeling this overwhelming guilt 
it was just like overwhelming. Like I was like, you know, like this is the worst thing that can happen to my daughter, right? Um, so notice that I felt that and I was like, okay, I need to look into this emotion because it's very intense and I need to work on it. So what I did is that I was like, okay, what do I, how do I see motherhood? What, you know, and then I started finding out and I was like, oh, of course, if I lived these early years, seeing all the mothers that surrounded me drop everything for their kids, then I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like linking that and I'm creating this belief, right? So once I see my belief, after my belief, I have to see what thought is linked to that belief. So it's actually sort of like a step one, two, three, four, five, right? So step one is seeing the belief. Step two is seeing what thought is linked to that belief. So if I if I believe that a good mother is a mother that sacrifices herself for her kids, then my thought is the mom that sacrifices, that works, is a bad mom, right? Like that's, this is all completely unconscious. So then after that, I take action. Sorry, after that, I see an emotion. And there's an emotion that's linked to it. So for, for me, I had guilt, right? I felt a lot of guilt and almost like, at the same time, I also felt um, a little bit of anger because I was like, I love what I do and I don't want to stop doing it for my child. Like, like resentment? Yeah. And, and that's actually a really big feeling that mothers feel after years of having their kids, right? A lot of resentment. And it's very unconscious. And when mothers find out, there's like a breakdown and it's really, really hard. Um, so I felt this, right? I felt the guilt. And then after the emotion, I, there's an action that occurs. And the action that occurred in my sense, it was like, okay, I sort of like, I just froze. I froze. I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm not going to do anything, you know? So I was with my kid, obviously loving her like crazy. And at the same time being like, oh my God, this whole thing, this whole having a baby thing is actually a lot harder like than I thought, you know? And then I was like freaking out. And then when you take action, then you see results in your life. So my result in, in that moment, I'm going to tell you how I shifted this, um, was that I was like starting to create not like not full on resentment because she was still really small and, I, and I'm very in tune and I'm very like trying to find out more about myself all the time. But I was like, oh my God, this is like, you know, not exactly what I wanted, you know, like, and I was just feeling a little bit frustrated. So that was the result. I was feeling frustrated. And when you feel that way, you know, that affects your daughter, that affects your partner. Cause I was like, no, I'm here home taking care of this, of the baby all day and you get to work. And, you know, obviously you get home and you're like, oh, yippee yappy, you know, and I'm like exhausted from this. And so those are the results that I was seeing in my life. Right. So, and then I started digging in and then I saw this, this belief that I had. Right. And I was like, you know what? Wait, hold on. This is not the belief I want to have. This is the belief I have, but this is not the one I want to have. Which What, what belief can empower me to have the results that I want to have? So I started thinking and I was like, you know what? The mother that takes care of themselves is a lot more present in their children's lives, especially emotionally present. So then I started having this belief. I literally, I wrote it down. On a, on, a, on a piece of paper and I put it on my mirror, on my bathroom mirror, just so I can see it, right? Because actually what a, one really effective way to reprogram our brain is through repetition. So if I see it, that's why affirmations are so great. And I'm, you know, I, I really believe in that. And I, I really believe in journaling and writing. Um, so that's why I really believe in that because repetition actually allows the reprogramming of our subconscious, right? So um, I started seeing this and I was like, okay, so if this is a belief I want to have, then this is a thought then I started seeing my thought changes change like, oh, wait, but if um, I work a little bit and then I'm with Alessia, 
then I'm going to be a lot happier, right? So, you know, my thoughts started changing. And then actually my emotions started changing. I actually began to feel relief. I was like, oh, this is not like as bad as I thought, you know? And and then I started feeling actually even, um, I started getting excited. I started getting excited for for my own things and my own work and my own projects. And, um, you know, like I, it's my, my feelings like completely changed. And then my action was that I was literally, I was like, okay, you know what? What I'm going to do is that I'm going to make a schedule. So I can be with her. I can do this. I can do that, whatever. And I started, you know, my life started getting back sort of like an order. And my results were just like, I was a lot happier. Every time I was with her, we were playing, laughing. And, you know, how you feel, your child feels, right? So she was, she's a happy, such a happy baby. You know, she was always like, um, she would get really excited to see me. I would get really excited to see her, you know, and it's something that I've been practicing. And I'm just so glad that I was able to sort of like check in on myself and be like, why am I feeling this horrible guilt? Why am I feeling this sadness? You know, because a lot of people are like, I don't want this in my life. But if we know, if we don't go back and see why we have these beliefs, this, these beliefs that are normally limiting beliefs, um, we, we can't change the results in our lives. So that's why I think it's so important to, to, to go back to our younger selves and understand that that this is the time where my brain and my subconscious was programmed. And if I don't see it, if I don't check on it, I don't know why the results that I'm having in my life are happening. Um, so I really believe in like going back and seeing yourself, but not getting stuck there, right? Like, because like going back doesn't mean like just staying back there. It's just like right. it's to understand my presence. And to I love that you're saying that. Moment. I love that you're saying that. What are your thoughts on like, and I want to, I want you to also answer what you were like um, when you were younger that you remember that you've done the work to kind of figure out, but like, what are your thoughts on also like for Alessia, like her being able to actually see, cause we're, we have so much access to being able to record her every move. You just sent me a really cute video of her. Like we're seeing it and being able to capture it. And like, she's going to be able to see it when she's 25, 30, you know, like what are your thoughts on how that's going to develop the psyche of that generation, like having so much access to seeing what they were like in these precious times, like in these precious years of their life. I've actually never thought about that. And it's the first time I ever get asked that. And what a great question to ask. Um, You know, something that I, that I think that that could help because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best, right. To, to create or instill beliefs in her that are empowering and that will allow her to be in touch with her authentic self. Right. Uh, but you know, nobody's perfect. We're not perfect. Nobody is. And she'll talk about me in therapy for sure. Um, and sometimes I think that I don't think, sorry, as children, children are great observers. They're actually super intelligent. They're, they, it's, it's crazy actually how smart they are and how they get things. Um, and at the same time, they're terrible interpreters, right? Like they interpret situations in an erroneous way. And that's why we also create beliefs that are, that disempower us because our parents are not conscious of this either. Right. So for example, one of the most common beliefs that people have around the world, and this is something that I learned from Shelly Lefko, that she's an expert in beliefs, um, she's literally talks all over the world about this. Um, there, she talks about like the, the, like these five common limiting beliefs that people have literally from here to Japan, like all over the world. And one of them is I'm not important. 
right? That is a very, very uh, limiting beliefs, belief that tons of people unfortunately have. And that is a belief that is instilled or created in these first years of our lives. So for example, how can it happen? Uh, now that we're all, you know, working and just always busy, whatever, like I could be working on the computer and then my, my daughter can come up to me and be like, mommy, mommy, let's play. And I'm like, no, 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 mommy's working right now. And that, that situation can automatically instill in her a belief that, oh yeah, is that I'm not that important. Work is more important for mommy. But that's not what I meant. She's extremely important to me, you know, like, but that's the interpretation that she had. So um, as a conscious parent, I would, I would, instead of just saying, no, not right now, I will turn around and tell her, listen, you know that mommy's working right now. And when she finishes, she's going to play with you, which is actually the most important part of her day. You know, like saying these things just so I can make sure that she doesn't interpret, misinterpret what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, what I think is that if she has access to all this information or, or these videos or whatever, is that as adults, we can forgive, I think, easier because we can see reality in different eyes. Because uh, sometimes we think like, oh, but I was not important for my mom. She didn't care about me or blah, blah, blah. But if you actually see the reality as an adult, when you're a lot more mature and conscious, you're like, oh, you know, maybe I misinterpreted that situation. And when you see that, that brings healing, you know? So who knows? Maybe it could be, you know, a step closer to heal maybe a little bit faster than our generation did or our generation had. I, I actually think about that all the time because I'm like, oh. I wish, because I, I, I mean, I asked this question. I asked this question on every single podcast. It's one of my favorite questions. And I really love hearing what people remember about themselves, you know? And I'm just like, for people that are lost, like, I wish that everyone can have access to like a vault of like, these are the things that you were obsessed with it when you were 10 years old. And this is like when you would light up and like this, you know, like, I feel like that just like helps so much. And I, I just, I really do wonder, like everything obviously has a consequence. So like, I just, I really do think about that all the time, like how this is going to affect the next generation. So that, I love the question. I love the question. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. I, I would actually, it would be really cool to have like, to go to university and even, and even study this, right? Like, you know, maybe have a 20, 20 year study or even 30 year um, to see the results in, in, in the, their, those future beings, that are, are being researched. That's that's actually really good. I, I mean, I would even speak to a, a university to do some type of research on this. Do it, please, because I'm actually really <laughs> curious. Like, honestly. But, so what were you like that you remember that you've done the work for to yeah. identify? Honestly, um, this is actually called, well, in Spanish, it's called amnesia infantil. So it's called infantile amnesia. Uh, it happens a lot, actually, to a lot of people. I don't know if you've come across people that literally don't remember. Um, I mean, I remember, I remember like pieces. I obviously don't remember the exact thing. I have like an idea, but like not, I don't know, maybe that's amnesia, but I feel like, I mean, with age, every year you also just like forget every little detail, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so what do I remember about myself? So what is that? Yeah, what that is child? It's called um, child amnesia, I guess it's called in English. Um, actually, that can happen. There are a lot of reasons why that could happen. Um, one of them is that I was 
studying about like not so long ago was actually trauma. You know, we actually have some little tiny traumas there that, that again, like they may be very dumb for some people or for adults, but very important for a child. And our brain naturally uh, tries to protect us. And that's why we, how do you call it? Reprimir. Um, Reprimand? When we like. Reprimir. Reprimir means that you kind of like. Oh, repressed. Like repressed. Repressed, repressed. Exactly. That's why actually repression is a really big defense mechanism. So one of the reasons our defense mechanisms exist uh, are to protect us. Right. So uh, sometimes we repress things or situations in our childhood because they're, they were probably, they could have been very painful. Um, and that's why our brain tries not to remember it so that we don't feel pain because it's protecting us. Right. But when I, when I open it up and I see it and then I'm like, oh, it was actually not that bad. And then you, it goes away. Release it. Yeah. So actually, I have a lot more happy memories. Like I remember, I remember we went to Disney a lot as a family. Um, I remember my favorite part of the year was going on trips with my family. You know, we would go to the DR. Um, I remember, I remember some stuff with my friends at school. I remember some of my teachers. Actually, I remember I had a teacher. I don't know if you had her, Miss Sauleda. That's like one mm-hmm. of the teachers that loved. I loved. Yeah, that's she was actually one of the teachers that I most remember, and I think she was one of the teachers that was actually like the nicest to me. Um. And that's what I always say that teachers are actually a lot more important in our kids' life or in our lives than we actually think about. And I wish, I truly genuinely wish teachers were like the best paid people in, in the in the universe because, you know, they, they have such a big influence on society. Uh, but I remember that teacher actually very, very well. And I remember she was a specific teacher that was one of those people that believed in me. You know, um, because from when I was a kid, I, I'm, a, I'm one of five, right? So when you're one of five, it's very easy. You're very easily compared to others, to your other siblings. And in my house, I was actually not the mm-hmm. one with the best grades. And because I have an older sister that she was, she didn't, it's not that she got good grades. It's that she was literally like the freaking star. No, no, you no. Know, Lani. Like, <laughs> A plus, A plus, A plus, A plus. Like every time I go over to your house, she'd have her her humongous textbook out with her pencil and like doing all her. I mean, I was the same as you. Like I just could never measure up to Danny's Danny's freaking report cards. And I remember like. (laughs) She was always in the honors classes and she would get like letters from teachers. Like I remember once here in Venezuela, a teacher, she literally got an A plus. She was like, listen, I'm going to give her an A plus like for the next term because she's just so good that I just know she's going to get an A plus. Like she didn't even have to do the work. And my parents were always like, wow. And I was like right behind her, you know. So I was very, this is something that I've actually had to work on a lot for myself. And then I I realized that when I started studying psychology, I was doing extremely well in in college and I did very well. And I was at the top of my class and this and that. And then that's why I'm telling you that if you're good at something, work on that, you know, don't work on the things you're weak at, you know, like. How did you know, how did you how did you first even identify your love of psychology? Um, okay. So actually, and this is another suggestion that I give to people, especially if you're young, you know, if you're young, um, like right when you get off, like right when you graduate from high school, people are like, okay, what am I going to study? What am I going to do for the rest of my life? Okay. Like, honestly, this is something that 
needs to occur a complete complete mind shift because nobody knows what the hell they want to do. In fact, there are people that don't even know what, the, what they want to do in their 30s, you know, and that's perfectly okay. So why? Because we're not in touch with ourselves because we haven't had the opportunity to be with ourselves, by ourselves. And I actually got very lucky because when I graduated from high school, I left, I, I moved for a year. I lived in Belgium and it was actually a year that, that was like the first time that I was ever by myself with myself. And at the beginning, it was kind of scary. It was like, what? Like, I don't even know if what I'm capable of, you know? And I went through a lot of stuff that year. Why did you decide to do that? Honestly, it was my mom that pushed me to do that at the beginning. Um, and I, a lot of people do that here in, in Venezuela. Like, they leave for a year somewhere. Just Honestly, they study abroad for a year to learn a language, especially English. Um, but I went to study French because I, I already spoke English. And, you know, when you go and you leave to a country where you don't speak the language, where you need to, like, sort of start new when you're 17 years old, it's like, you know, there's a lot of growth that, that goes into that. So so that year, I remember I, I, I finished high school and I had not even applied to college because I was like, I literally do not know what to do. And I remember that year, I would, I would read a lot about, like, what to study and, and and at that time, there was absolutely not enough information like there is today. Um, but I remember I would go back to psychology. I would go back to psychology. I would go, and I just thought it was so interesting. And it was actually kind of funny because I always hated school because it was so boring and I didn't like it that I was like, if I choose this, that's so interesting. Is that going to be good for me? Because I was linking that the more boredom and the more annoying you know, it is, the better it is for you. And I was Such like, you know what, whatever. I'm just insight. Gonna... Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I was like, whatever, I'm going to study it. I'm going to study this uh, because it's what it's the only thing that attracts me. And I remember at the beginning, my family was like, psychology? Like, what are you going to do with that? And, you know, I have, like, at least my mom's part of the family. It's like, they're so religious and they're so, you know, that... Um, I remember a lot of times I would hear like, oh, no, 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 psychologists can make you go crazy or this, you know, like negative beliefs about psychologists. I love that you're touching on that because I am also a psychology major and I definitely, like, there's something about it that obviously interests me. Like the psyche of active ingredients is obviously like there's something underlying there, you know, but I've always had that fear because I I feel a lot too that I, I would be scared if I went into that field that I would live in like misery because I would be taking in everyone's emotions. Like that's the story I told myself, you know? That is the story you told yourself. So if you're telling yourself that story and you're believing that story, why not create a story that will empower you, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, I was, that was the, the thing that sort of scared me the most. And I remember at the beginning, I was a little bit criticized. Um, but I was like, you know, this is the only thing that interests me. I can't study like business, like my sister. I just... Just looking at the you know curriculum, I was like, I will die. Um, <laughs> and I started studying, and I remember like I would go to class. Like I cannot explain to you guys how much I disliked school, um, mainly because of the subjects, not because of my friends or anything. But uh, I would be like, this is like the best class I've ever been to. Like what? I learned so much, and it was like, oh my god! Like how can I like something so much? You know, and then I started seeing my grades, you know, because you see your results also from your interests. And I was like, wow, I'm actually getting like really good grades. And I was seeing people next to me like struggling. And I was like, 
oh, this was me at school. I was trying really hard to do something that was had nothing to do with my with who I was as a person, you know. So that was like a huge discovery that I had in college. And I'm so glad that I was able to have that year, that like sabbatical year, I guess you'd say, um, to just think about what the heck I wanted to do. And I, I honestly, I suggest, and I, I, I even want this for my daughter, even though I, um, you know, she's going to choose whatever she wants. But like having that time to take time off to be with yourself, by yourself for a certain period of time, to do nothing or, or to do like just to think, you know, and explore life. Wow. I mean, it could really like shift, you know, it could shift your life. It could, it could help you so much to just find out about what it is that you were meant to do on this earth, you know? And that's why I'm, I was saying in the beginning that this pandemic, I, I know it's been really tough on a lot of people and it's also been such a blessing for others. It's that sabbatical time that nobody has ever taken because nobody has the balls to take this amount of time out of their lives, you know, because we don't have time. <laughs> this is the time no one had. Now we do. Um, going back to what I was saying before to like the people that you admire, there are a lot of people that I admire and a lot of most of those people have taken this time off for themselves, you know, like gone for, I don't know, six months to India, you know, and to do some meditation and, and just to get back in touch with themselves. Because also when you live a life of purpose, um, you tend to be a lot more in touch with abundance. Okay. Uh, sometimes when we do something just for money, uh, it just, uh, sometimes you don't even get the, the, the results that you want. But if you live a life of purpose, you have abundance in every sense of what abundance is. Abundance is joy. Abundance is well-being. Abundance is money. Abundance is, you know, abundance in the, your social interactions. The people you connect with tend to be people that are connected with you. So if you are like, how the heck do I do this? Well, obviously you're going to have to wait for this pandemic to, to die down a little bit. Um, but I, I suggest you even like start like a savings account or something or, or invest in something that you think will give you like a return where you can live somewhere or do something for like six months that is all only 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 has to do with yourself and being with yourself and, and growth personal growth and even if it's for a month that you can do it for one month I mean, honestly, like, isn't that, I like, we, we kind of don't even have to go anywhere. Like, this is kind of being forced upon us right now. Oh, so it's like, completely, completely. You're, you know, you know, completely right. Yeah. Like, this is it. Like, this is, this is the six months or whatever that we're not going to be 100% ingrained in other people's lives. Like, it's not as glam as going to India and doing a whole E Pray Love, but like, it's something, you know, it's like, something. we can grasp yeah. onto this. No, you know, honestly, like you, you couldn't be more right. And I think that a lot of people, especially the like people that like completely lost like their jobs that, that there's like nothing they're attached to. Um, I, I totally suggest that you start doing this, you know, doing the work for yourself and finding yourself and learning to be with yourself by yourself, because that's the person you're going to be with for the rest of your life. And the more you take care of yourself, the, the better quality life you're going to live. So for someone who is interested in doing work in um, the psychology field, becoming a therapist, um, 
anything in that realm. How have you gone about creating this life for yourself now that you work for yourself and you have your own practice and you're doing a lot of digital therapy, which by the way, if anyone, if you have openings for patients, like let the audience know. But um, yeah, for someone who's interested in kind of getting into this field that is reevaluating what their career looks like, what, what steps would you tell them or advise them to do? Well, step number one, if you're still looking, you know, to see what to do, of course, I mean, I do suggest you study um, just because it's understanding the human mind is, is a science, right? Um, so I definitely suggest you do that. And the second one, if not most important, actually, is working on yourself. Because, you know, you were saying, you're actually saying it earlier. Like, I was like, oh, I didn't know if to study because I was going to, you know, dealing with other people's problems were gonna, was going to overwhelm me. And like I said, everything that happens that is a trigger has a lot more to do with us than with the other person. So the more I learn about how things trigger me, even if it's sadness or fear or whatever it is, um, it's something that I need to learn about myself. And it's definitely hard at the beginning. At least it was for me. And I'm sure it's been for a lot of therapists um, that there are some people, some clients, right? Because I like to call them clients because patients seems like they're sick or something. Right. They're um, super wrong. That's a good point. Yeah. So when, when there are some clients that might trigger something in us, like, like, you know, when something really bad happens to them, you feel it, you feel for them. And it's like, I just wish so bad that you weren't feeling that way. You know, that's, I mean, I'm studying to help other people. I don't want them to feel bad. Uh, but the more I work on myself and I do my own therapy and I do my own thing, um, the better I can, better therapist I can be for you. You know, because I'm, if I'm with you crying, you know, that's probably not exactly <laughs> what you, you know, you need. I mean, I do need to be there for you and, you know, allow for, for moments of silence and for moments of, of feeling the pain and just accompanying you in it, right? But um, the more I work on myself, the better therapist I can be. So that would be, I mean, studying is extremely important and our knowledge is just like very important. But I think there's nothing more important than working on yourself for whatever it is you do, whether it's therapy, whether it's PR, whether it's architecture, whether it's, I don't know, you're a graphic designer, I don't know, whatever it is that you are. Um, the more you work on yourself, the more growth there will be in your own business. It's kind of crazy. You know, like there's this, um, this guy that I admire a lot that his name is Vishen Lakiani, that he is the owner of Mind Valley. Uh, for those who are listening, I really suggest you listen to their podcast too. And they actually have like, basically they have like a personal growth university kind of thing. And it's amazing. Um, and he spoke about once that he took some time off in his business to just focus on personal growth. And it was like, I think he left for about a month. I think it was, I don't remember. And he changed so much in that month because he went to all these seminars and this and that. And he was like, you know, change, trying to change his mindset. And when he came back to his business, it grew like 400%, you know? And he was like noticing how... I changed as the CEO and how how important it is who I am in this business and how you you are will impact your business, right? So uh, personal growth for me is just key. 
Uh, understanding yourself is key. Understanding how the human mind works is key because we're working with humans every single day, whether it's in a computer or not, you know? There's a human behind every single thing that you see. Amazing. So yeah, that's definitely a suggestion. How do you personally decompress after seeing your clients? Like how does, that's like the one thing that I thought about in this career, like, because I am obviously interested in it, but how do you personally like detach yourself or remove yourself from the person's pain or from what they're going through? Okay. So in general, it's actually something that I do really well. Um, because I meditate because, you know, everything that we just talked about. And I actually also once a week, I meet with two other therapists that are colleagues and we usually have like a two or three hour session where we talk about what well, normally we talk about those patients that affect us the most. And, you know, one, like, for example, I, I say my, I talk about, you know, a therapy session and they both give me different point, points of view of ways that I can work with that, with that person. And we do the same for the three of us. Um, and that's actually Keeping confidentiality though, right? Oh, of, oh, no, no, no. Of course. Of course. This, uh, this is something every therapist should do. Uh, I forgot how it's, I don't know how it's called in English, but this is, um, you always have to talk to another therapist, um, to go through your, your patients. That's part of, that's also part of therapy, right? So right. a therapist that doesn't go to therapy is not, a I think it's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I think it's, I mean, I remember that I, when I was work, I was in college, um, the only way I would pass the class, I was able to pass the class was because I was in therapy. And I, while I was doing my internship, I had to show that I was in therapy. So, so no, no, I mean, it's not only is it helpful for you, but sometimes you need to see other points of view to help a client, you know? Um, and it's, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like most therapists that I, that I know, have the therapist that they go to to work on their stuff and to talk about their patients. It's 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 part of being a therapist. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like you've been weaving this answer throughout the whole podcast because it's just oozing out of you. But if you were to answer the question of what is your active ingredient, like what is the deeper reason, purpose of the work that you're doing and the work that you put in every single day for yourself and for your clients... What's, what is it? What's your active ingredient? I would say that my active ingredient is helping others elevate their consciousness so that they can treat others with more consciousness. That's just a whole lot of consciousness. Yeah. Like the more conscious you are, the more you can be conscious of others and help. And mainly right now I'm, I'm helping a lot of families because I think it's because I'm going through this right now and I'm, and I'm raising my kid. Um, and I do see that everything happens, you know, in that time frame, like we talked about, we even have to go back and see what our, uh, how we were raised. Um, so I think if we work on that stage of our, of children's lives in general, we can make such a big impact. So if we focus on raising ourselves, on elevating our own consciousness, I can definitely raise others in a higher level of consciousness. So that's that's my active ingredient and that's my purpose for now. I love it. I love it so much. What is your literal active ingredient? I always close out the podcast asking that kind of lighter question, like something that you need to do, drink, eat, consume, watch something every single day um, that lights you up. Okay, so consume water. Uh, I know, I know it sounds, I know it sounds kind of dumb, but for me, uh, I only drink water 
or coffee in the morning. <laughs> I have one uh, cup of coffee in the morning. And if not, I only drink water. There's like, there's nothing else in my house ever. Um, <laughs> honestly, I don't even drink tea, which I probably should, but like, I, I, I do feel water cleanses me and I should study more about this, but I just, I really believe in, in, in actually hydrating ourselves with water. Um, and something I mean, water else. is honestly like so symbolic also yeah. like of purity, right? Or her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So consume water. I, 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 I'm not like, I don't know that much about food to be honest, but I definitely believe in shifting your mindset to eat healthy because you are with you for the rest of your life. You know, why not have a healthy you? Um, I'm not strict at all. I have my cookies. I have this, I have that. I wish I was stricter, but um, in general, you know, feeding yourself healthy things is the same thing I ask you to do for your mind, right? So it's feed yourself healthy food and feed your mind healthy thoughts. Um, So for example, my Instagram is very, very selective. I'm very, very um, strict, I guess, with myself, with what I consume on Instagram. I just really, really make sure it's something that helps me in a way. Sometimes I think I'm like a little too obsessed, you know, that I'm only consuming um, things about this, but you know, it's, it's what makes me feel better. Um, and, oh my God, meditation. I think that thanks to meditation, I live, I feel like I live a lot of, I, I feel like I have a very peaceful life. Um, I feel very much at peace with myself, with, um, you know, my husband and my, and my daughter, and meditation definitely helps. You know, some days I meditate and it's like, eh, whatever. But sometimes I meditate and it's just incredible. It's incredible. So, what type of meditation do you do? Honestly, I th- I feel like I do different things like every day. Um, sometimes I literally sit and write. For me, that's a med- that's meditation. I sit and I write. Um, the other day I wrote like ten pages for the first time. To be honest, for the first time I was just like writing, writing, writing. writing. Um, sometimes I write, you know, three lines. You know, whatever it is, it's something. And sometimes meditation for me is a five-minute thing. Sometimes it's a 45-minute thing. You know, like it's it's just so... Dependent. It, it's so dependent and varies. Um, what else? Being very conscious, being very conscious of yourself, right? Because sometimes I'm like, when I see something that, I don't know, bothers me about my husband and I'm like about to save something, I'm like, oh, let me catch myself. Hold on. Why is this bothering me so much? You know, like catching yourself, I catch myself all the time. And I think consciousness is, is not about not feeling things. It's about catching yourself, you know, and it's about... To not be reactive. Yeah, because when... And then I notice that I'm like, oh, this has to do so much more with me. Damn, why? I wish I could just blame her for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Where can everyone find you? Are you taking patients right now? And like, how is I this am. whole thing yeah, going I am for you? With, patients. I feel like are more people reaching out right now because this is obviously an incredibly weird time. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Um I've had a lot of people reach out. I am taking therapy sessions. Um because my time is a little bit limited, I'm also doing um online courses and online workshops because I can work with a lot more people at a at one one, you know, time frame 
And it's actually been amazing. It's been really good. I've actually do all these things in Spanish. I do I do have two people in therapy that I do in English, um, which I love. Is that something I, you want to do more of? I do. In fact, I'm actually working right now on my webpage that I hopefully by, by June I can launch it, if not July. And it's all going to be in Spanish and in English because it's actually kind of funny. when I Every time I write a post for... Because you can also follow me on Instagram. It's at Patty Wheelness, P-A-T-T-Y-W-E-I-L-L-N-E-S-S. Everything is in Spanish. But every time I write a post, every time I do something, I write it in English and then I write it in Spanish. My journal is always in English. All the books I read are in English. So I cons- all the content I consume is in English. So I always do it in English because it's just quicker. And then I just go and do it in Spanish. So I was like, if I'm making all this effort, you know, um, I might as well have my my webpage in English and I want to do videos and all this stuff. I mean, I'm doing them in Spanish, but I also want to do them in English uh, because it's, you know, it's the language that I've, that I speak in my home, you know, like it's... Is it what you think? Do you think in English? I don't even know because I, I mean, I also, I also think in Spanish a lot because I've been living in Venezuela for so long and my husband is Venezuelan and we speak in Spanish, right? So it's like, I'm constantly speaking Spanish too. It's kind of funny. Like if I fight with my husband and I'm like going to tell him something like super random, I, I say it in English. I'm like, why are you such an asshole? <laughs> and, he, and he doesn't even laugh. At the beginning he would laugh at me and now he doesn't even laugh. It's just, it's become natural for him too. So um, I think a lot. And I think, I guess it's because it's the language that I spoke when I was young. But sometimes when I want to express myself, like genuinely, I just find the words in, in English better, you know, or yeah. sometimes I find it better in Spanish. Like it's, it depends on, on what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely working on that for if, in English because, you know, part of the things that I want to do is that I would love to give conferences. And that's a really big thing in the U.S. It's not as much of a big thing here in Venezuela. So I need to have that opportunity and I, I need to, for people to, to know what it is that I do, right. what message it is that I'm trying to, to share. Um, and I love doing it in English because, you know, I feel comfortable. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you can take two seconds of your time to rate and review us, it would really mean the world and help us out a ton. If you guys want more inspiration and quotes from the episode, you can check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.